This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. 48% of Americans watch on average more than six hours of TV each week. 26% watch more than 12 hours per week. That seems like a lot of couch time to me. I read one statistic that said Americans will watch approximately 78,000 hours of TV in their lifetime, and the reactions to the study were passionate that those numbers were way too low. I use the phrase, one handful of life, often here on the show and in my everyday life. I believe it reminds me that we each get just one handful of life, and it should be invested and spent. We should be a part of something that is bigger than we are and will last longer than we do, and we should also spend a bit of our life and enjoy our time here as well. A person who embodies this philosophy of investing and spending her one handful of life is Paula Cunningham, the president and CEO of AARP of Michigan. Paula has led a college, a bank back from the brink, and now stands in the gap for senior citizens all across Michigan. Paula recently joined the board of directors at the Food Bank Council of Michigan, and because of her passion for making sure no senior struggles with the stress of not having enough food, she's a part of our organization. She is a brilliant leader, a passionate advocate, a connector of people, and our guest today on Food First Michigan. everyone. As promised, Paula Cunningham is with us. She is the president and CEO of the AARP here in Michigan. Paula, welcome back to Food First Michigan. And uh, we're excited to see you, uh, but we're really excited to do this in-depth conversation with you. Thank you so much, Phil. It's always good to be in your company and to be a part of any discussion that talks about food and as a basic need for for not just older adults, but for so many people throughout our country and throughout our great state. So thanks for being for having me back again. Well, you know, it's great to. It's always a compliment. You come the first time, and it's always a risk. The second time, you know what you're getting. So I really appreciate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> we did it at our own risk, for sure. No, it's great to have you. So you know, let's let's help our. Uh, you've had an incredible journey. Um, your life story is inspiring, and I'd I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. You know, uh, that's always a dangerous question to ask a guest because. Because, you know, we had one guest who said, well, I was born in a log cap, you know, and and she went on too long. So, but, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Help our people understand who Paula Cunningham is. 
Well, I was born in. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. You know, I, I'm still trying to figure out who I am, quite frankly. Uh, I'm growing up and learning every day, and I think that's what keeps us uh, vital and keeps us interested in so many different topics. Born and raised in Akron, Ohio, two wonderful, wonderful parents. Any values or any principles that I have probably came from um, my time with them and my family family values, family principles, time in you know school, church, et cetera. A lot of that's gone today, uh, right? You don't have the same kind of teachings, you know, as, as we did back when you were Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, you know, church and family. Um, but they're still, I'm still the same person. If you knew me uh, when I was in my teens and you know me today, you know that I'm driven by principles, driven by integrity and driven by trust. Um, what I'm passionate about, I will give you everything I've got. Uh, and I'm passionate about a lot of things, but some things uh, are just basic. And, you know, food, shelter, um, young people, young children, and elders are my passion points, quite frankly. Those are the ones that uh, I could spend all day talking to children, all day talking to elder folks, older folks. But those in between sometimes, eh, you know, so, so uh, yeah, and I'm still driven by a lot of that today. So I am absolutely um 100% dedicated and committed to whatever I'm doing. And if I'm not having fun doing it, then I stop and I move on. That's why I've had so many different careers. <laughs> you stop having fun, you just move on to something else. Well, that sounds a lot like Jerry and I. If it's not fun, we don't want to do it very long. So Absolutely. it's, it's uh, that we're very uh, passionate about this work, uh, but we want to also in, enjoy the journey as well. So um, it's great to have you. You know, when I when I approached you about becoming uh, a member of the board of directors for the Food Bank Council, you said, you know, Phil, I, I'm 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 getting off of boards. That's been my my intention here, uh, so I could focus more. Um, and so when hearing that and then you just you agreed and decided that you would like to come on to our board and be and be a part of our organization in a more in-depth way i took that as a really a great compliment because you were removing yourself from boards so you could focus on the work but evidently the work that we're doing and the work that you're doing you must have saw a lot of parallel there yeah, absolutely, uh, Dr. Phil. And there, there are three things that I'll say about that. Number one, you. Um, I don't like hanging around with people who don't have vision, who don't have a purpose, who don't have, who, who, who want to make a difference. You know, I'm not the sticky dot person. If you want to get in the room and multi-vote and get all consent, I want to get it done. You know, we, we know so much more than that, which we do. That's what Kellogg used to, Foundation used to say all the time. So number one, it was about you and knowing and believing in you and your leadership and your vision that you were going to work to get this done. And I'm about working. I don't need to, you know, sit at the head table. I just need to roll, be able to roll my sleeves up and, and help and make a contribution. The second is that it's a passion point. I mean, crying out loud in the United States of America to have so many people still going without food, you know, basic need. Right. Uh, what's, that's fixable. It's doable. It's not something that, you know, a pie in the sky like sending someone to the moon was, you know, in the 60s. It's, right. it's doable. Uh, and so if it can be done, then I want to help do it. Um, and then the third, third piece is, you know, once again, when you start talking about where we're going, the future, not just today, but uh, right. being able to break down systems and being able to fix and make things better for the next generation. Then um, those were the, you know, those were the three basic things, and and I just couldn't say no to that. Um, someone told me once a long time ago, if not you, then who? You know, when you're asked and you can. You're like, <laughs> Why so 
That's that's why I said yes. I just want to say, as as the food bank council continues to evolve in our deepening our understanding of the work and and what it takes to be effective and what impact looks like, um, what you just described as you know some of the reasons why we need to do this work uh, fit really well with with the vision for uh, how do you get that done, right? Mm -hmm. how, and, and partnerships, strong partnerships are a key to success. You know, those partnerships have to be with community, they have to be with like-minded people and organizations, and uh, certainly already from the first conversation we had with you about the Food Bank Council and what we're looking for, we know that that alignment is there and we're just so excited to have you continue to be, you know, bringing thought leadership and community leadership to the table. We've got some big challenges, right? But uh, but together we can get those done. And, and so it's an exciting time, continues to be a challenging time, but I suppose, what did my dad used to say? When the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and that's that's what we're about. I mean, that's why, just from even my first meeting, I realized that you know we're going to get going. It's not business as usual. And so that requires a lot of patience, which I don't have a lot of anymore, but it does require a lot of patience and requires a lot of collaboration. And so AARP uh, Michigan is fully on board. And that is uh, also one of our sweet spots, making certain that pe people have you know, the basic needs, the food, shelter, you know, transportation, place to live, and, and how they do that. And they do that, make choices with dignity and respect. You know, dignity and respect and having choices. That's mm. what we're all about. We're, you know, a, a, a wise friend, fierce defender of older adults, but uh, they need to be able to live their life with dignity and live their life with respect and live their life with choices. Wow, that's perfectly stated. And uh, it certainly is one of our values, too. We, we believe that, um, you know, creating a food secure state, we want to do that with dignity so that people have the value of choice and they have the opportunity to, as Jerry likes to say, uh, they, they have the opportunity to get the food they both want and need. It can't be either or, and it doesn't have to be. She's Paula Cunningham. She's the CEO for AARP. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. The three of us will be back in just a moment. Don't you go anywhere. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Paula Cunningham joins Jerry Brisson and me, Dr. Phil Knight, here. And today we're talking about um, really about seniors and their struggle with food insecurity. So a couple of things here, Paula, that that I remind that I want to remind folks of our previous discussion um, on once before when you were on the show we you told us a story about going into a senior citizen's home and it was an it was an uh, a lady and she, of course she went back to you know put on a better dress or whatever and uh, and so you and your uh, the person who brought you to her home kind of I think she peeked into the cabinet and basically there was no food and then when you had the conversation with the with the 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 lady uh the senior citizen she said 
No, I don't, I, I don't need any food. Give that to someone who needs it more. Mm-hmm. And we've discovered that that is a serious problem when trying to help seniors become food secure because they always want to seemingly give it away to someone they think needs it more than them. Absolutely. Um, and it, it shouldn't even be a question for you know, who needs it. it you, you should just be able to take it and, and know that everybody who needs it will get it. I mean, that's where we're trying to get to. Whoever needs it will get it. Uh, but it, I still remember those stories. Uh, we were working in Flint at the time, going door to door and doing some work there. And um, the, you know, older adults in particular feel as the children need the food. You know, give the food mm-hmm. to the children. Make certain they have the food, or give it to the next door neighbor because, you know, they're they're on a they're not feeling well, or give it to someone else. You know, there's again, that's the dignity, the pride, the respect, and they need it. And this this person, the one that you were talking about, was literally uh, trying to boil some rice and saving some of the portioning it out, trying to save some for another meal so she'd have enough. I mean. Um, you know, it just breaks your heart. It absolutely, right. it, you know, if, you, if you've got any kind of compassion at all, it, it breaks your heart that people have to make those kinds of decisions. You know, even during this, this pandemic, when we go, people were going door to door and passing out food and meals on wheels, or people would say, well, the person down the street would need, needs food, you know, that, or make certain that the per- lady across the street or the man down the, you know, around the corner, he needs some food, or this person at our church needs food. Um, and, and you think, you know, we throw food away. I mean, you know, I, my parents used to say, eat everything on your plate. There are people overseas who need that food. I used to right. say, well, send it to them. You know, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a value attached to that, you know, a value sure. just attached to as a human being. So, yes, there are stories and this, that should not never happen and we should never hear again. You know, I, I, I think that one of our challenges, right, is communicating with people what is available to them and why it's okay to take it. And there's so many reasons, particularly with seniors, as you just mentioned, they're, you know, growing up at a time when when people didn't have as much food. I mean, really, one of the things we've talked about several times is it wasn't wasn't until the mid-50s that there was a consistent, significant surplus of food in the United States. And it was really, I mean, and maybe we talked about this last time, Paula, but the year that tractors outnumbered horses and mules on farms, you remember this? 1956. (laughs) 1956. That's the year, right? Now, when you think about when were the, the seniors of today, when were they born? They were born before tractors outnumbered mules and horses on farms we also have had much better fertilizers uh, much of which were invented and 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 begun to be used in the 1950s so it wasn't really until the 60s and 70s that there was such a thing as a significant food surplus consistent significant food surplus in the country Mm -hmm. and a lot of seniors even remember back in the day when you know people were rationing food right that was part of their life and and we can't escape our history right we we're we're created by our history it's what it's what developed us into the people we are today in so many ways right so i i think one of the things we have to get better at is saying to people it's not the same world you grew up in there is enough food so the challenge is, how do we take advantage of that resource in the right way? Because it still costs something. Even if there's more food than we need, it still costs something to harvest it and to grow it and to ship it around. And so it's not free 
but it's just not the way it used to be. And so it's, it's you know, again, why these partnerships are so important. You communicate with so many people. I mean, just give us the scope of how many people you get to communicate with on a regular basis. Well, AARP Michigan has 1.3 million members in just in the state of Michigan. Uh, nationally, it's 38 million, but in Michigan, we've got 1.3. We've got almost 300 volunteers. And at the drop of a hat, we can send them a notice, send them information, talk with them about anything that we need to talk with them about. But you know, our, my primary job is listening, listening to what their concerns are, their needs are, where the future is going. Um, listening, like when we were all ordering food online during the pandemic, I, mean, I did for the first time during the pandemic, ordered food online, had it delivered at home. If you had a SNAP, you know, which used to be the old food stamps, you were on SNAP, you could not use that SNAP card to order food yeah. online, it was prohibited. So they were forced to go out or forced to wait for someone to bring them food. So we listen, we try to find out where the world is going, what their needs are and respond to that with advocacy or, in community uh, outreach, however we might be able to do that. Uh, and so, and, and again, it, it strengthens you because older adults who are living longer, 85 years is the, is the fastest growing age in, 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 our, in our country, 85 year old, so that's good news. But you're not, ne wow. they're not necessarily having the same quality of life and they're not necessarily having the same options because they're living longer and they're not necessarily planning that you know, as well as they do financially. So you know, we're hearing all that, seeing all that and trying to help change the trajectory of their life so that they do have the respect, the dignity and the choices uh, that they deserve to have. Um, and so collaborations are so important, whether it's with the Food Bank Council of Michigan or whether it's with the, uh, you know, the, the state of Michigan and, and, and the wonderful work that they helped us do in the health and human services over there. Collaborations are important. We can get this done, folks. We can change this. We just have to work together to do it. I'm absolutely convinced. I would bet everything on the fact that we can make this happen, that you know, making certain that people have the food that they need. We've got to work together to get that done. You know, there's a lot right there that I'd love, particularly that last part, I loved it. But the thing that I probably need to hear more was what you said about listening. Mm -hmm. You know, my job is to listen. You know, two ears, one mouth. Let's think about exactly. that ratio, folks. <laughs> I want us to talk about a very specific collaboration on the other side of the break here. But um, I, I can't tell you what it really means to me personally for you to say what you just said about Th this is solvable. This is something that we can do. Now we can't do it alone. We've got to do it together. So I, I, that Jerry, what's your reaction to 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 the head, the CEO, the the president of AARP Michigan looking you in the face and saying we can solve this hunger problem? You know, it's 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 what we're looking for, right? It's the movement. It's it's. Part of the way it's going to be solved is if we believe it, right? I mean, if you don't believe it can be solved, you won't put much time and effort into it. But we've solved more difficult problems. I mean, we, we have the food, and it's so clear that it's cheaper to solve hunger and food insecurity than to have it continue, right? So there's a financial incentive. There's a relationship incentive when you think about just how you want to live in community. Do you want to live in a community with a bunch of people that are hungry and don't know where they're going to get their next meal from? I mean, who wants that, right? So, so you know, even just from a human standpoint, the value of saying this to a, to a neighbor, 
you don't have to live this way and we're going to make sure you don't have to live this way anymore. I mean, you know, there's just, there's just so many reasons why it's the right thing to do. So yes, I think it's solvable. It's great to hear that we're not alone. I know that we're not alone. I mean, we've had 50,000 downloads of this podcast. I'm guessing that's because there's other people that think it can be fixed too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break. That's Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with our guest, Paula Cunningham, the CEO and president for AARP here in Michigan. We're all three back. You come back and be with us, too. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. We're back here, Jerry Basson, Dr. Phil Knight, with our guest, Paula Cunningham, CEO and President for AARP here in Michigan. Also, our newly minted uh, member of the Board of Directors for the Food Bank Council of Michigan. So, you know, I'm so excited that you consented to be a part because, I mean, our friendship, our relationship, is it's years in the making, but, you know, when the pandemic hit, we noticed that some of the services that help seniors get food weren't able to continue. And so they, we had to come up with some alternatives for them. And one of the things we did was uh, a senior um, quarantine box. And uh, Jerry and them kind of piloted, uh, uh, piloted this idea at, at Gleaners. Uh, we called you, Dr. Dawn Opal and myself, we called you, Paula. You, you connected us with Dr. Alexis Travis at DHHHS. And, you know, and then, I mean, everybody kind of rallied to the cause of how we're going to get food to senior citizens in Michigan, all across Michigan. And, you know, uh, the, the boxes would get, get packed and then they would get loaded on a truck, and then they would get distributed through a variety of means. Even Carol and Bloodworth gave us uh, vans and drivers from Consumers Energy to deliver to people's doorsteps. So it was like a, the entire state came together when they knew the peril that seniors were in. And I just want to say to you, one of the things I, I introduce you as is a connector of people. Jerry asked about your network. Well, you don't just have a network, you use your network for good. And so I think you were a real catalyst for the difference that we were all able to make together in the lives of seniors during the pandemic. And I think there people would be in, in much worse shape today had it not been for your willingness to help connect people and start a project that lasts even until today. I, well, I appreciate that, and, I, and I'm sure you give me way too much credit for that, but I, I do appreciate the, the comments. No, it's exactly what we're talking about, right? It's the collaboration. You know, you talked about what happened when we started working together, that it can't, you know, it's not just one or two of us. And if you can't use your network of people to make things happen, I mean, then why have a network of friends and influencers and, and you know, just so you can put it on your resume as a reference? Well, I, I don't have a resume and I don't have references. So uh, <laughs> if you can't use your network of people to, to make good things happen, then then retire. I, I'm not doing any of this to build a resume or, or trying to make a name for anybody or anything. You're doing it because it needs to be done and you have some capacity to help. 
And so when you have that capacity to help, yep. then you help, right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, and the, the partnerships, relationships, and what you did, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Phil, in terms of even just recognizing and listening to the need of, of, of uh, people in terms of needing food was just, we had to uh, step up to that need. It was just incredible, the vision that you had to make that happen. And Dr. Alexis Travis just you know, came on board immediately. You know, there's a quote that says, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go with others. And so, mm. uh, you know, we, we're going far. We're going to take this journey together and we're going to make good things happen. And it's going to take people who are listening on this po podcast as well as all their influencers and everyone else to make certain that we get to the destination that we all deserve to be at. I love that saying. I want to repeat it just to make sure I got it right. If you want to go fast, you go alone. Mm -hmm. If you want to go far, you go with others. And I think that that is uh, that I think it it captures what we're trying to do, not only with Food First Michigan, right, and even just having this podcast and the opportunity to talk with people about how together we can solve this problem. And it's the only way we can do it is together. But you also deepen your perspective when you go with others, right? Because no matter how much you know, you don't know it all. And if you're going to craft solutions that work for people, you need those people's perspective, right? The people for whom you're trying to help, you so much need their thoughts. But then, you know, when we think about healthcare, and healthcare has such a vested interest in food security, not only from the perspective of the seniors, though that's a huge population that intersects with healthcare, but from the, from the perspective of anybody who has a prescription that says take with food and they don't have any food. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many obvious connections, but as we get to know healthcare and their needs, we get better at crafting solutions that work for them and their patients, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it just mm -hmm. continues to deepen and broaden and then deepen and broaden. And that's how you solve a complex problem that's never been solved before. I, I just love that saying, you wanna go fast, you go alone. You wanna go far, you go together. Absolutely. And one other one that I love, uh, Jerry, is actually that I'm not limited by my own intelligence. And that's what you just said. You know, I know my capacity, but if I listen and, and, and stay quiet for long enough to listen to others and, and bring other people to the table, then we can get more things done. So I'm not limited by just what I know, but, you know, there's a whole vast array of wisdom out there. Let's bring those people to the table and figure out how to make this work. And that's what really got me uh, saying yes to the Food Bank Council is that there's a, a just tremendous wisdom at that table and there's tremendous leadership. So I'm excited about the future, and I'm excited about what we can do. You know, we talk about the toxic stress of food insecurity. Uh, Paul, I want you to talk a little bit to us about what you see, particularly in the senior population, regarding the stress that seniors have, the mental and emotional weight that they carry, particularly those that you find to be food insecure. Because um, I, I don't think we probably talk about this enough. Yes, you know, um, and, and again, when I say it breaks my heart, that means I'm almost on the verge of tears and I'm not prone to crying. I, you've probably never seen me cry, but when there's something about what seniors have gone through, and Jerry, you mentioned it even in terms of the 50s and 60s and all that, that older adults have gone through throughout their lives. They have endured. They've learned to endure. They carry the weight of the world, their family, their children. They carry that weight with them. That's what they do. They are soldiers in their communities yeah. and they're mm. carrying this weight now, this pandemic. 
and you're beginning to see the mental toll that it's taking on them. They are just exhausted, emotionally, mentally, physically exhausted. When will this be over? How much more do I have to endure? And so there is some concern, and we're kind of listening and watching and working a lot with other other organizations regarding the mental health uh, of older adults, of people in general, and not being afraid to talk about that. You know, we hold that just like they said, well, I don't need the food, give it to someone down the street. Talk about what's going on in your mind. Talk about your fears, your concerns. Other people have the same ones, but if you don't share that, you know, they're, they're, I don't want to say there's, there's um, in the misery loves company, but once you get it out there, then you know you're not alone. You're not carrying the weight right. of the world all by yourself. So we need to have more uh, areas and, and conversations with older adults and others about what they're going through and, and getting them the help they need, the socialization and connecting with neighbors and friends and finding other things to do uh, to help lift them up. So that's a real concern that we have going forward, uh, not only during this pandemic, but after the pandemic as well. Yeah, one of the things that we found in our work with healthcare is when we deliver meals to patients for which food is considered part of their treatment plan, so it doesn't feel like they're getting it because they're needy, right? It feels like this is what you need to be healthy and, and, it, and it encourages them, it's very positive. But, but one of the biggest benefits has been how people feel when they're visited. When somebody comes with the food and says hello and how you doing and is just checking in and it's not it's not a therapy session it's just a connection right and and I have to say I love my team and I and I can't say enough good things about the people going out there with the food but they care right and just to see someone with a with a twinkle in their eye and and a willingness to say hello really matters a lot so I'm not trying to oversimplify mental health there's a lot to it and and the burden that people carry isn't going to be entirely fixed by a simple touch but boy do simple touches matter absolutely you know we say high tech high touch i used to say that all the time you want the technology and the touch but even something like the technology and having access to be able to facetime your grandchild you know that helps or your, your yeah. daughter or your next door neighbor that helps we're, we're human beings we like being connected you know we if you're isolating yourself then that's just a very very few people very small uh, 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 part of our population who just likes that total isolation. They live in the mountains or live somewhere else. But people like to connect with other people. And we need to make certain we do that. That's part of mental wellness. Is staying, you know, that's part of making certain uh, prevention of dementia coming on, sort of dementia coming on so early, is staying connected, you know, making certain that you have some people that, that's in your life and you're doing different things all the time. So uh, we need to make certain that they, older adults in particular stay connected and that they have, you know, opportunities to do things and go places and to socialize. And so that, you're right, that smile, the twinkle in the eye, that makes a difference. And make sure they have not only enough food, but the right kinds of food. Oh, well said. I mean, yeah, why are you going to yeah. be giving me something I'm not going to eat? You know, yeah, give right. me a box yeah, that I'm yeah. never going to eat. But this is what you think I should have. And I've never eaten black eyed peas before in my life, you know? So why, yeah. would, you, why would you do yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> Jerry calls that waste. <laughs> I mean, it, it is true, though. It's how we talk about it here. We, we, we say anything we distribute that's not consumed is just adding to a very expensive garbage program, right? Yeah. We, we, can't yeah. afford, we can't afford that kind of waste, and so we've got to be giving people the food they want and need. And there's a journey to be had there, too. I mean, you know, lots to say about you meet people where they are, you know? People may not be ready to change their diet to be completely healthy in a day. 
But if, right. you, if you stick with it and you work with people, I mean, all of a sudden you find people taking advantage of things they never even thought about before. And there are miracles that happen. It's true. And we count on him. We count on him. Every time Phil looks at me, he's hoping for a miracle. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. But I'm really glad. I'm really super glad that we connected, Paula, and that you connected with us. And now you're a part of this journey and this work and this movement. And we're a part of yours, too. So we say Godspeed to you. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we look forward to the next time you're here with us on Food First Michigan. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm not only connected with my head, but I'm connected with my heart. So that's a connection that'll last a lifetime. Thank you so much for having me. That's our pleasure. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry, that's Paula Cunningham, our newest board member at the Food Bank Council of Michigan. And what a dynamic person and a dynamic influencer, a dynamic leader. You know, if I had three wishes, one of them would be that our listeners could have seen her do her happy dance about being part of our board and being part of this work. It was it was priceless. And uh, and I'd spend a wish on it because it was it was so nice to see that energy and positivity. I couldn't agree more. Uh, she brings a lot to the table and uh, and is part of the solution for sure. Yeah, she 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 is, and she she gets it. Um, I mean, AARP is is an organization that serves seniors, um, but but also she recognizes not everyone in that group has everything that they need, particularly basic needs met. And, uh, and she's willing to invest her one handful of life with us to make sure that people have access to the food they both want and need. Well, I, you know, she, she said something I want to make sure I have right, but I think I heard it right, that one of the largest growing segments of people in the country are those people who are 85 years old and older, right? And, um, and when you think about what does that mean if we're talking about solving hunger in our community? And one thing it means is, is we have to have a really clear understanding of, of what that segment of people has to work with when they talk about their living, right? Is, has Social Security kept up? Are they getting Social Security? Do they have other forms of income? And of course, AARP has a lot of that information to help us understand and deepen our awareness of what we need to do for that segment of the population. They're going to be around for a long time yet, right? We're, we're healthier than we've ever been. We live longer. Um, there's, right. a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why it's important for us to, to, to do that work. And, and one of the things that I'm really proud of is our, our work on this boundless collaboration opportunity. Right. For us, that means something. For you listening, what it means is we're looking at ways to bring a whole host of partners together, several food banks, several organizations that serve seniors, the state of Michigan, and others to figure out exactly what it's going to take to reach people, especially those that don't have the transportation to get to a food mm -hmm. distribution, you know. So I think there's a lot of wisdom to be had there, but but the uh, the numeric, um, I guess, weight 
of just how many people there are. She talked about 1.3 million members of AARP just in Michigan. That's those are big numbers to start considering. It is. Well, and you can if you want to learn more about that boundless project, you can go to our website which is foodfirstmi.org and you can find that show that podcast is preserved there as well. Uh and it's entitled Boundless. So, it's it's pretty cool project for sure. Jerry, time for a little food for thought. George Washington Carver said, no individual has the right to come into this world and go out of it without leaving behind a distinct and legitimate reason for having passed through it. And it seems Paula Cunningham has lived several lifetimes in her career, and the hallmark word for her career is improvement. Everywhere she's gone and left, she's made it better than when she arrived there. She set every organization up for greater success in the future. And she'll do the same for us at the Food Bank Council of Michigan and for senior citizens who are food insecure as one of our board of directors. May the same be said for all of us and our one handful of life. We left it better than we found it. Our Food Bank Network strives to make a difference by putting and keeping food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.